2 Corinthians 11.14 says that Satan himself can appear as an angel of light. So it shouldn't be shocking that his law of attraction philosophies can appear as beneficial to humanity as well. What is shocking, however, is learning about how many Christians, both individuals and ministries, have implemented these philosophies into their teachings and practices regularly. In addition, there's a growing number of spiritual experts that falsely claim that all of these teachings come straight out of the Bible itself. So how can we safeguard our children and families from falling into this same trap? Join us for our third and final discussion on this crucial topic right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Skywatch TV. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have had a phenomenal last couple of weeks of television on the subject about the law of attraction, and we're going to continue this discussion today. But first, let me introduce today's special guest. He's an entrepreneur, an author, and longtime philanthropist whose passion to expose the deceptive practices of false teachers and gurus is at the forefront of his vastly growing online ministry, John Clash. Ladies and gentlemen, over the last couple of weeks, for those just joining us all over the world on the internet, social media, we've been talking about this idea that is frameworked by the teachers and purveyors of this theology called the law of attraction. So if you've missed it, go back over the last couple of weeks, dig into the archives where John Clash, our special guest today, has been basically putting on a clinic. Mm-hmm where this terrible theology comes from, how it's affecting its victims, how it's lining the pockets of people that perpetrate this online through their DVDs, their book sales, their audio series, their subscriptions, their memberships, etc., and how all of this fallacy leads basically to death and to turmoil and a life without the true solution to, to hope and peace and happiness in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. The book is called Law of Attraction, and for the third week in a row, I will flip it around this way and read you the subtitle, A Gateway Drug to Spiritual Heroin, very much using the concept of a gateway drug, the thing that introduces you to a bigger idea that mm -hmm. gives you that initial high, that promise of something successful if I were only to manifest it through my thoughts and my projections that ultimately leads you to despair, wanting more. Now we got to go to shaman. Now we got to go to others and spiritual cleansings and then of course, you know, sweat lodges and, and, and maybe be cleansed periodically as a part of this self-maintenance that I'm going to require to stay open enough to be able to continue my path through this law of attraction and manifest all the blessings that I wish for myself. Mm -hmm. It's very dangerous, but here is what a lot of our viewers may be shocked to learn is how much this is infiltrating the church. Donna Howell mentioned similar themes in her book, Dark Covenant, from a couple of years ago, uh, where her and Allie Anderson also put out this DVD called Occultianity, which we're going to tell you briefly about after a little bit, as it is available in a special package with John's book. But John, today's the final installation of this series, and I think we need to, though we've teased in the last couple of weeks how this has infiltrated the church, today let's really dig in and see how large this massive pandemic of disinformation is affecting uh, the church. These law of attraction gurus that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks teach that Jesus and his early disciples were wealthy businessmen 
and that the Bible actually teaches the law of attraction. What is your response to that? No. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us today. We'll be, no. What I think happens is people don't read the Bible, right? The person who is telling you that Jesus and his early disciples were wealthy business owners, they don't read the Bible. Then the people that they tell don't read the Bible. So you just believe it out of ignorance. And because it aligns with what you want to hear, right? And if you just dig into the Bible, I I always tell people, instead of listening to these people, just do something really crazy, right? Like something really crazy, out of the ordinary. Read, maybe, maybe. Just read the Bible yourself. You're not, right? I knew you weren't going to say read the Bible. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's uh, absolutely crazy. Unheard of. Unheard of. No, you're being facetious, (laughs) but to the bigger point, no, it's true. In Donna's research, I was blown away at the number of churchgoers who are, and I, and I, before God, I'm being dead serious, who are more recreationally using pornography than they are reading their own Bibles. Yep. Yeah. These are the leaders of the Western church. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So it's so simple. All you have to do is look at what Jesus said about himself. He says, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Mm. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but that sounds to me like Jesus was pretty homeless. Yeah. Also, if you think about just where Jesus grew up in his childhood, Mm -hmm. Nazareth, when Philip was telling Nathaniel, hey, we found the Messiah. It's Jesus of Nazareth. Philip's response was Nazareth. What good can come out of Nazareth? So that gives you an idea of where on the economic spectrum Nazareth was. So to say that Jesus and his early disciples were wealthy business owners, where are you getting this from? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not understanding why, because some of them were fishermen. Maybe they had super successful multi-site fishing expeditions that they did when uh, they couldn't even catch the fish. Jesus had to show up and be like, yeah, throw the net on the other side, you know? Right. So (laughs) how successful were they? It's just, it's just ignorance. And I don't mean to say that from like, oh, you're ignorant. That's not what I mean. There's a difference between being ignorant and stupid. Ignorant is, I just, I don't know any better. Oh, until I knew. Yeah. So somebody who seems to be an authority figure told me about it and- I have no reason to believe that they're lying to me, so I'll believe them, right? right? Stupidity is when you know better and you still choose to believe just yeah. because it's in alignment with what you want to be true and yeah. not with what's actually true. So I think that's what happens. And Donna, I know you could speak on this in, in your research of how just out of the world this is to believe. Yeah, well, what comes to mind to me is that if you look at the history of how scripture was interpreted, and I'm talking way, way back, even before Jesus was born into this world, the intertestamental period, and you look at everything that the Jews were expecting, if Jesus had been a wealthy businessman, he probably would have been accepted by that many more Jews who were expecting the super soldier to take down Rome. I mean, the fact that Jesus was not accepted by the vast majority of the Jews is proof in itself that he was nowhere even near what we would conceptualize to be a wealthy businessman. You'd have to narcissus the scripture to bring that out of it. Narcissism, exegesis. It's pulling out the me, 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 I, I, I law of attraction Mm. out of scripture to even arrive at anything close to what you just said as as a, a responsible biblical interpretation. I want you to share this with the audience. Is the law of attraction finding its way into our churches? And if so, how is that happening? The answer is yes, but there's many different ways that it's coming in. One is just the casual way where 
your everyday churchgoer just believes this and shares it with, you know, their yeah. fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. They, they believe it out of ignorance, you know, and they just share it. So that's how it can spread. But it's, it's not only spreading just like that, it's infused to some theology, right? Mm-hmm. So when I was early in my Christian walk, I went to uh, this church. I was experiencing churches. That's what I was doing, right? I, I don't even yeah. think I was a full believer at this time. I was just going to churches because it was a good experience. And so I went to this one church and I was going constantly there whenever I was in the area. And then on Thanksgiving, they did their fundraiser. And I have no problem with fundraisers. Okay. I think that anything that operates via donations, you probably got to do some fundraising, right? So I have no problem with that. But when I was sitting in the audience, they had a whole panel talking and I was expecting to hear some Christ changed my life, uh, helped my marriage, freed me from addiction. I'm expecting these type of testimonies. And it was testimony after testimony after testimony of how uh, 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 one of the church members gave X amount of money in a time where they felt that they couldn't, when they just weren't paying bills, but they just felt that they had to give some money. And then God blessed them with hundredfold. And it was just story after story of this. And I'm really early in my walk. And even me, I was like, this don't sound right. Like some, something's off here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but at that time, I still was not aware that the law of attraction did not coincide with Christianity. So in the lobby of that church, every single weekend, they sold books. One of them titled The Power of I Am. And I didn't understand what was going on because I was just ignorant to it. But had I known that the law of attraction was as demonic as it is, and saw a book being sold at a church titled The Power of I Am, and then in it is discussing how whatever you say after I am, you are attracting into your life, I would have been out of that church way, way earlier. So it infiltrates into theologies that are built for that type of infiltration, which is word of faith, speak it into existence theologies, and theologies in which they believe where putting your faith in Christ, now you have the ability that we had in the garden, which was to create with our, our voice, right? This is, what they, this is what they're saying, that prior to the fall of man, Adam and Eve could create by speaking things into existence and putting your faith in Christ now gives you that ability to speak things into existence as well and how your thoughts are, are activating what they call the faith force, mm-hmm. right? And if you keep good faith and you have faith that God is going to give you all of these things, then he will eventually give it to you. And if he doesn't, it's your fault. Something that you are doing wrong. As we discussed a few episodes ago, either secret sin or you don't have enough faith or you're entertaining negativity. And when you entertain negativity, you know that you're telling God that you don't fully trust him. So it's essentially just a Christianese version of the law of attraction that they're they're telling instead of after you know, a mantra saying, and so it is, they just say in Jesus name, oh, boom, wow. Christian. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is, this has attracted a lot of followers. I mean, there are a couple of different strains of this, but you can take this back probably 60 years or more uh, to uh, the, the prosperity gospel we talked about mm-hmm. last week, uh, word of faith you mentioned. Uh, these, these attract a lot of people. You got mega churches that are drawing people in because by giving it this, this Christian veneer, you're essentially giving biblical sanction to greed. 
It's yeah. okay to be greedy and expect these things for you. And, you know, what, what, at the end you're saying, my cup runneth over, but my bank account runneth over. Mm. That's really what becomes the goal. Wow. It's easy to see why people outside the church would want to believe in this. And to some degree, I guess you could rationalize that people that didn't know any better in the church would be attracted to this whole law of attraction. John, do you think that's why people are falling for this in the church? It's so self-rewarding on its face. It's like being promised wealth. It's mm. being promised health. It's being pro- who, who doesn't want those things, right? Yeah. When I first became a Christian, I thought that my life was going to now all of a sudden be so much uh, better financially, um, better health-wise, better. I, I really thought that this was the God of Christianity, right? I knew more apologetics than I knew the Bible. So since I just knew that there was all this evidence for Jesus rising from the dead, I knew that the New Testament was reliable. I knew that the Bible was reliable, historical documentation, but I didn't necessarily know what was in the Bible Mm. and God's true nature. And this gives us false expectations of God. When you paint God as this genie in the bottle, and then you're not getting your wishes granted, you're not going to think that you have something wrong, or maybe you have a skewed version of God in your mind. That's what, that's the conclusion I came to Mm. when I fell flat on my face. I was like, there's probably something I don't know about God, right? That there's probably something I'm missing because I thought that if I put my faith in Christ and I just, you know, didn't sin and I just did all of these, check Check the box, box, right? right? That God was obligated to give me promises, right? To give me blessings. And thank God I'm too stubborn to just quit on things, right? (laughs) But it wasn't until I started reaching out to people who I knew were in their word and who were theologically sound where I was like, hey, I'm trying to figure this stuff out. How, how do I get to it? Because I was in, I got saved in a mega church. I got saved in that environment where every weekend was a motivational speech. Right. And ain't nothing wrong with a motivational speech, but there is something wrong with taking a scripture completely out of context and then turning that scripture into a motivational speech to then trick your congregation into thinking that this is God's true nature and that he's going to always just get you through whatever it is you need him to get you through as long as you got faith, completely disregarding the fact that Jesus and his earliest disciples led lives of pain, struggle, and right. agony up until right. their, their, their deaths. And they you know, went, went to be with uh, God in glory. And so if this whole faith force and abundance from the universe and all that right. stuff would be accessible to anybody, look at Paul. He had the thorn in his flesh that God said, no, I'm not taking that away. Do you think that Paul did not have enough faith to activate the faith force? He's arguably one of the most faith-filled people in all of Christian history. And he couldn't get God to to give him what he wanted. It's just, it sounds so good to the untrained ear. Right. Yeah. And I feel really bad for people who get caught in this and then they look at the Christian church environment that they think is actual Christianity and yeah. They're not receiving the promises that right. the pulpit is is giving them. And then they either do one of two things. They walk away from God yep. or they walk away from spirituality altogether or they right. walk away from God and into a different form of spirituality that leads yeah. them yes. away from a true saving grace in Christ. So you have to know what to look for 
when navigating these spiritual realms. And sometimes in the quest to navigate, the answer you're looking for is literally in that same spot. I can't tell you how many times I have heard people preach straight out of the epistle of James. You have not that shiny car, that house, that whatever you want because you ask not. Amen. You have not what you ask not, the second half of that statement yeah. says, because you ask for your own vainglorious material gain. You ask wrongly. Oh, it's sometimes <laughs> the journey to what the context is, it's so mysterious and esoteric, it's right the next part of the Just statement. go to the next verse. Just keep reading one <laughs> right? Just, you were just so read the entire yeah, chapter. Right well, and that's the thing, too, is we were talking earlier about how these gurus in the law of attraction in the New Age are saying, well, Jesus was rich, and so we should all be rich, too. Sadly, you've got some of these pastors who are in these strains of Christianity who also argue that he was rich. Mm-hmm. Well, look, these kings came and brought him gold, so he was rich. Like, again, out of context. Right. Yeah. And then also, as you were saying, Donna, they don't even cherry pick scripture. They, it's not even the whole cherry. Right. They'll just take a half a cherry and, and, yeah. and, just and, and give it to you. Yeah, they'll take the <laughs> pit and, and give it to you. Chew on this. This is real. You know, and it's so true. If you just read just like right before, right. just mm-hmm. right before, yeah. you would have understood the context. It's not just that the law of attraction is dangerous because it raises those that are naive or new to Christianity's expectation to believe in something that is setting them up for disappointment when they're not able to manifest their blessings or believe in God in such a way that he restores and blesses. It's not just that. It also deprives us of what is going to be a part of guaranteed ziklag, the difficult parts of life that every family is going to go through. I'll never forget, it stuck with me my whole life. I was having this conversation during a really difficult chapter with my dad, Dr. Thomas Horn, and It was the standard, you're a little kid, you know, dad, what should your reaction be to difficult times when it looks like the answer that you might be getting back from God, even though you've prayed with all your heart might be no or not yet. And he said, you know, son, God's ways are infinite and sometimes we don't always know what he's up to. Yeah. But the reason that I have chose, he was talking about this this stance that he had taken during a very difficult time where he could have been more fearful and more erratic and more panicked and on the phone and what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And his response was this steady boulder. Mm -hmm. And I remember him saying, when you walk through difficult things, never forget that it's not always about the way you feel about it. It's what your family members are watching your reaction. Yeah. And if they see you freaking out, if they see you losing your mind and in a total tailspin, what are we going to do financially? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? That's going to become infectious. And so even if I have my own doubts and even if I'm dealing with my own thoughts and in myself and my own struggles. And he's like, you be strong for your families because that becomes infectious. Mm. And you get a chance in difficult times to show the best of your strength. Yeah. And people will glean strength from that. And so this whole idea that, um, you know, we miss an opportunity. The body of Christ misses an opportunity when they have a family in the church. They're not readying them for the absolute ziklag Take a peek in your Bible and look up Ziklag. Do a little reading on Matthew. I'm getting this from my dear friend, Pastor Bruce. He sent me this a few weeks ago. But my point is that the body of Christ loses an opportunity, especially with those young Christians that have just come in, to show them what it looks like mm-hmm. to stand through difficulty. We'll stand and it not be, yeah, not be banking on, hey, this is all going to work out. The Lord has a blessing in this. You may not understand his ways, but promise, you know, promise says he promises you're going to be... Sometimes it's about 
this is very difficult. Mm -hmm. We may not understand the outcome, but we never lose faith in God. We may not know what he's up to, but yeah. he does. And so our faith is not shaken. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I know I've taken a minute to explain this, but this whole, the shallow law of attraction, it's, it's kind of twofold. You raise people's expectations to yeah. things that are fictitious and cannot be real. And then you lose the opportunity to stand with them through strength and, and, and build people that now can go forward and model. This is what it looks like to go through difficult times and be a strength yeah. to others. The peace of God that passes all the understanding. The peace of God yes. that is Amen. beyond our own little formulaic. The yep. peace that passes all understanding. Yep, yep. That, that spirit of God that comes into the room when things are falling apart and you can't explain why you were able to get some sleep. Yep. Yep. That's all I meant. Mm -hmm. so. yeah. it, it's, it's interesting that you say that because when you have a false view of God that these prosperity and word of faith and, and law of attraction type theology uh, Christians paint, you don't have the ability to go through that because you're thinking that you're going through it because of something you are doing wrong because right. of because you're not activating the faith force in the way that you right. need because your faith isn't strong enough now you're going through a struggle for completely uh, disregarding the the fact that long suffering is a fruit of the spirit and and how um, and, amen. and how do you even uh, how do you grow in long suffering if you only if you if you don't suffer long right. you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You, right you have to yeah. grow in these things but what they'll do is they'll flip that and instead of saying looking at this as you should be like, hey, this person might be going through this because God is working on their character. Yeah. And you'll say, no, you try to jump in there with some law of attraction theology on how they can get a quick fix on it. And then when they don't get that quick fix, now they question the pastor and they question God again. And now you're, you're back to square right. one. Right. This is such a phenomenal read. Guys, are you getting something out of all of this? Well, ladies and gentlemen, we want to make sure you know how you can get your copy of this incredible new book in the John Clash Special Offer. When you order the John Clash Special Offer, you'll receive his brand new book, The Law of Attraction, A Gateway Drug to Spiritual Heroin. This phenomenal new work challenges the very validity of the dangerous Luciferian, heavily popularized ideology that false teachers and gurus describe as the law of attraction. In this book, John also uses a solid biblical framework to debunk the so-called scientific selling points that the law of attraction is predicated on. But that's not all. You'll also receive the amazing DVD, Beyond Supernatural, that features off-the-record interviews with popular former New Age author and speaker Stephen Bancars, where he details his long history and involvement with the New Age and shares his personal testimony of deliverance through Jesus Christ. And as a bonus, this DVD also includes the entire original Skywatch TV five-part series on the second coming of the New Age. Also included in this must-have special offer, the two-part DVD, Occultianity, how the end times church is forming now in preparation of Antichrist, where Donna Howell and Allie Anderson walk you step-by-step step through how a silent, complacent church is inadvertently laying the foundation for the bloodiest cult that the world has ever seen. All of these items hold a retail value of $75, yours now for your donation of only $35 plus shipping and handling, so don't delay. You can scan the QR code on your screen using the camera app on your phone for instant access to this special offer. You can also visit us at skywatchtvstore.com or call 1-844-750-4985 and ask 
for the John Clash special offer right now. The Law of Attraction, make sure you get your copy. I want to hit this really quick, John, before we run out of time, because we're just about there. But what are some signs to look for to make sure that our brothers and sisters in Christ, or even our church leadership, aren't naively participating in the Law of Attraction? And what should we do if someone we love is involved in it? Yeah, so I would say get knowledgeable on it. That would be mm. the number one thing, because you, ha you have to be able to speak their language in a way. If they're mm -hmm. subscribing to this, if they're believing it, and you just come in, slap them with a Bible, like, that's demonic, you know? They're, <laughs> they're not going to hear you, right? But if you know about what they believe, you can point out where the fallacies lie, right? right? And so getting equipped to have the conversation is so important. One of the reasons that I wrote the book was because I was tired of having the same conversation over and over just to be dragged down uh, a rabbit hole in different places my wife was like john why don't you just write a book and i was like you got a lot of people asking you yeah and you were explaining a to z and you start over the next friend right yep. whole and thing. It, so <laughs> she's like why don't you just write a book and you know she's smarter than me so i <laughs> eventually <laughs> submitted and wrote the book right? <laughs> getting uh, knowledgeable on the information is, is step one but then two now that you're knowledgeable on it listen to how people talk Listen to the buzzwords that they say, uh, yeah. frequency. Listen to if they're talking about activating the blessings of God, mm -hmm. right? If you're in a church that is hyper-focused on just experience and filtering those experiences through the lens of scripture, they're filtering the lens of experience through philosophy or through mm -hmm. e more experience, right? Mm -hmm. I would say that you're in danger of maybe being a part of a church that doesn't really have a good biblical foundation and is is just running on experience. And mm -hmm. the issue with that is I have a chapter in the book called Faith Fentanyl, which it's not spiritual heroin, but it's the counterfeit Christianity that is being peddled to unaware Christians, to people who aren't in tune with picking right. up on these things. Right. Well, and so, I've seen churches even do where all their leadership has to take a personality test mm. so that we can proper put you in the, the position Enneagram. in the church. Yeah, yeah. your Enneagram, yep. your personality. And if you look at the Enneagram mm. picture, it's literally a demonic yep. symbol, but we see these churches having their own oh. congregation and leaders take it. Yep. Yikes. So here's what I keep hearing week after week after week is that pastors need this book, yeah. yes. Law of Attraction. And by the way, I've heard very good things from some pastors that have picked up a copy. This are friends of mine, John, that were glad that I did the social media shout out and told my friends <laughs> to make sure they get a copy of this. So this is not just one that we're doing here on Skywatch. I've yeah. actually plugged this on social media before you and I even met. So fabulous read. If you know somebody that is grappling with this, if you know a leader that you feel is pushing a prosperity narrative, if you know somebody that's looking to manifest their own reality and they're, and they're either cycling or maybe like John said a couple of weeks ago, they've gotten their earthly reward, but it has left them hollow and wanting. Yeah. This is a fabulous read that will really explain the gospel of Jesus Christ in a particular way that will resonate with the people of those curiosities, the people that are circling those ideologies. Um, it dispels the science, great endorsements from Doreen Virtue and others, former members of the New Age that have said this is a solid read. Donna Howell loved the book before I had a copy. So ladies and gentlemen, again, The Law of Attraction and the author John Clash. One more time for John Clash. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. And just to anybody that's listening, I've heard it said that 
we try to fill a God-sized hole in our heart with everything but God. Mm -hmm. And it just leaves us feeling empty. The Bible tells us that God has put eternity in the hearts of men. And if you're trying to fill that with anything of this world, you can only satisfy something that is set on the eternal with something that is eternal. And that is Jesus Christ. He's the only thing that will ever satisfy you. He's the only one that can ever give you the peace that you are searching for. So just, I don't even care if you buy the book, just put your trust in Christ today. Unfortunately, we're all out of time, ladies and gentlemen, for those in studio, everybody on panel, John, thanks again for being here Mm -hmm. this week. I'm Joe Artis Horn. Keep your eyes on the prize, which is Jesus Christ. We'll be back. (laughs) 